Welcome to Economic Development Secrets, where economic developers from across the country spill their secrets to our host, Nicole D'Souza. You'll hear firsthand accounts from economic developers in the trenches, from what works to what doesn't work, how deals come together or how deals go bad. You'll hear everyone's economic development secrets. Welcome to the Economic Development Secrets Podcast brought to you by Impact Dashboard. We have a great episode for you this month with Jeff Finkel of IEDC. But before we get into that, I just want to say a few words about my company, Impact Data Source, and our software, Impact Dashboard. If you've ever wanted to show the real value of an economic development project and be able to look at it from all different angles, then definitely check out Impact Dashboard. With Impact Dashboard, you can estimate the economic impact and then figure out how that will translate into additional tax revenues or costs for your city or county or any local taxing jurisdiction. You can also model any type of economic development incentive from property tax incentives, infrastructure grants, even tax increment financing. You are supported 100% of the way by economists at Impact Data Source, and you don't have to worry about preloading any of your own tax rates or other details. We made it even easier to collect information from prospects with our new online project data form. If you're interested in learning more, reach out to me directly and we can do a demo or set you up with a test account. Today's special guest is Jeff Finkel president and CEO of the International Economic Development Council. As one of the leaders of the economic development industry, Jeff shares with us how he has witnessed this past year's impact on the industry, and he gives his estimation on the field's future. He also mentions various economic development initiatives that have been reprioritized over the past year. Here is my interview with Jeff. Hi, Jeff. Thank you so, so much for joining us today on the Economic Development Secrets Podcast. Nicole, it's great to be with you again. Wonderful. Well, I'm so excited for everything we're going to talk about today. And I know um, as the, the leader of IDC, you know, almost everyone already knows who you are. But uh, if you wouldn't mind by just telling the audience a little bit about yourself for those who are still new and are still learning about IDC. Well, my name is Jeff Finkel. I'm the president of the International Economic Development Council. Um, IEDC was a merger between the American Economic Development Council and the Council for Urban Economic Development, and we were formed on May the 8th, 2001. We consider our anniversary date, however, the date that the American Economic Development Council was formed. So, uh, despite the fact that the name IEDC has only been around for 20 years, um, uh, AEDC was founded 95 years ago. So we view this as our 95th anniversary. Um, this is IEDC's 20th year of using the name. Um, I was with the Council for Urban Economic Development uh, for 15 years before that. So this is my 35th anniversary. So we have lots of anniversaries that we're celebrating uh, this year. And before I was with QED or IEDC, I was a deputy assistant secretary at the US Department of Housing and Urban Development. So I've been in this economic development community development world for a couple of days. 
Wonderful. So that means you just have that much more economic development wisdom to bring to the table and share with us today. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> well, so I was wondering if you could start out with everything going on over the last year. Um, of course, you know, the coronavirus, the pandemic, I mean, multiple things going on. Um, just if you could tell us a little bit about what you at IEDC have done. I know you've had to move some events, some conferences virtually. Um, I believe your staff is working from home. Just um, if you could give us some advice and some experience about what you've done as you've been managing your own economic development organization. Well, I... I, I think that uh, what we've done lands in kind of two categories. One, what did we do for IEDC? And then what did we do for the profession? And for IEDC, we did the same thing that most organizations did. We figured out how to move into the virtual world. How did we work to protect our staff and keep uh, uh, the organization vibrant to keep them healthy. Um, things that we did, we closed down the office uh, uh, pretty much immediately after St. Patrick's Day uh, last year. I get into the office every seven to 10 days to sign some checks. Our accounting staff goes in one or two days a week to work on accounting, but that's about it. And we have about 30 staff, temps, uh, interns uh, that are all working from home. We actually had um, a virtual internship program this summer uh, where our interns were located in Madison, Wisconsin, Mobile, Alabama, Buffalo, New York, someplace in New Jersey, Athens, Ohio, and Washington, DC. Uh, they had daily meetings. They did everything. They even had an intern outing. and. Um, these, uh, these locked rooms uh, where you, uh, I forget what they call those uh, rooms where you have to answer a bunch of questions to, to figure out how to get out of those rooms. You can do those virtually. So we, we paid for one of those virtual rooms and they worked as a team to get out of the room. That so, is so neat. What a great team building exercise. And I had no idea that they had moved those into a virtual format. Yep. And, uh, and I uh, typically would take uh, my interns to lunch and I took our interns to lunch. Now, the way we worked that, uh, I had uh, a Domino's pizza deliver each of them a pizza at exactly the same time, even if they were in California. And uh, so it became a breakfast pizza, I guess. And uh, but uh, and they would have daily meetings with a random person from the office, because if you were working in an office, frankly, you would run into somebody in the copier room, or you'd run into somebody at the water cooler, or you'd run into somebody in the refrigerator. So we uh, we did all of those things, and so they would have. Uh, half an hour meetings with the receptionist, the bookkeeper, uh, the IT professional, and uh, so that they got to know everybody in the office. Um, you know, in addition, uh, we did work hard at trying to keep our staff safe. So IEDC, and I'm sure other employers did this, 
Um, we ended up buying a thousand uh, KN95 masks twice and shipped them uh, to our staff um, so that they could uh, be careful with their own lives and the, those of their families, hopefully so they could avoid the, the virus as well. From the IEDC point of view, other, you know, for the member point of view, um, as you probably remember, Nicole, we did a whole series of webinars and those webinars were free to everybody. And some of them were very well received. Um, we had Richard Florida with nearly 1400 people in, a, in attendance. Uh, we had a number of others. We talked about the PPP program. We went through all of the various tools that the federal government had. We, um, we tried to figure out how to help people help the businesses and uh, employees or former unemployed people in their community uh, using their economic development resources. We were fortunate that in January or early February, we had our leadership conference. We were not able to hold our legislative conference. We did not hold our economic future forum, but we had a virtual annual conference. Uh, it was kind of Dallas-based. We, we had worked over the last couple of years with a Dallas host committee. Our major speakers were from Dallas for the most part. Our, our sessions were a, a mixture of our, um, our large membership and people from Dallas. We had a very large attendance. Uh, we had sponsors. And for the most part, it went pretty well. For some of our exhibitors, it was a little uh, bumpy, um, but we, we, were, uh, we ended up helping them make sense of it. We cut their fees and, uh, and we're, we're gonna try to make it better in the future. We hope to be in person later in the year, so uh, more to come. That is very exciting. Yes, I hope we'll be able to be in person too for future events. Yeah. Uh, so, um, you know, we do have a number of events coming up. We moved our leadership conference back to March, thinking that we might be past the pandemic, and we're not. Uh, it will be a virtual event. And uh, right now we're uh, at about 200 registrants which is a fair amount behind where we normally would be. Who knows, it may catch up over the, over the next couple of weeks. Uh, we have our Economic Future Forum uh, set for uh, Spokane, Washington in early June. My guess is it will be virtual, but we are still gonna make a decision here in a couple of weeks in terms of whether it's gonna be virtual or whether it's gonna be uh, in person. Um, I, I'm really doubtful that it'll be in person, but we still have a hotel contract and a hotelier who, who wants it to be in person and we'll just have to figure out if that's feasible. Nashville, I will see everybody in Nashville and we hope everybody has the budget to join us. We know that uh, budgets have taken some whack during this time period, but uh, I'm gonna be there, virus or no virus. And uh, uh, I hope everybody will be there to join us. 
That sounds wonderful. That is absolutely something to look forward to. Nashville in October, I've been thinking the same thing. It's going to be wonderful. Um, and then I've also noticed that you guys have held several um, trainings for the certification program online too. And then um, I know that you're also doing a virtual exam um, in 10 days. Yep. So what, what uh, we decided to do um, immediately after we shut down the office, the question was going to become, did we uh, end our uh, training courses or did we continue them? So we took them to webinars. Um, and then, um, you know, I had never used Zoom uh, before we took the break in March. And uh, I, I don't know about you, Nicole, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, one, I'm not the only one that was uh, a rookie to Zoom in March. We're all, our, our training programs are all on Zoom right now. And we actually trained more people last year than we ever have. And that uh, people were sitting in their, in their homes. They had training budgets and uh, they, and it was amazing. We're all on Zoom this year. And my guess is we're gonna be all on Zoom next year as well. And then, we'll have to make some decisions about what the future brings. What we've learned is that um, a lot more people can afford to attend a meeting where they don't have travel and they don't have hotel and they don't have meals. And they're also not out of the office two days, one travel day coming, one travel day going back. And so, I, I think it may be the future, but I know there are some people that aren't wild about that. There is that in-person connection you like to make with your uh, classmates, but uh, that, that's, that's a, a decision our board will have to make in the future. Uh, and uh, this will be our second virtual exam. So uh, along with our annual conference, we did an exam and uh, there will be a, a, another exam here in a few days, as, as you noted. Very exciting. Very exciting for those people who are preparing and getting ready. <laughs> and we had a decent uh, uh, pass rate uh, during the first virtual exam. So it's not terrifying people. Good. That's really nice. That's that's. Yeah. Very hopeful. I, and I, you, you and I have both gone through this process, so we both know what it is uh, to get uh, stage fright as we get ready for exam. Totally. Well, I'm actually preparing for this one, um, <laughs> this upcoming one. So, uh, yes, it's been constant studying, which is good. But yes, uh, I'm, I'm hoping that because it's online that um, some of the um, the jitters of test taking will be gone because it's like, okay, going to be, you know, in the comfort of my home. <laughs> Just take a breath. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so changing gears a little bit. So the economic development industry is constantly changing, evolving, growing. It's um, something that I think makes the field so exciting. And I know you've seen a good amount of change in the economic development field during the course of your career. But this last year seems to have been especially just packed with 
practitioners needing to think outside the box and very quickly adapt to various issues and their communities and with their local businesses. So um, can you discuss some of the changes you've seen implemented and yeah. is there anything particularly worthwhile that you believe um, more economic developers should be aware of and perhaps consider implementing in their communities? Well, let me, let me make a, a quick summary of things that have, have happened to us. This is to the economy at large. Retail has been upended. So many of our retail establishments uh, closed for a while. Um, and uh, the delivery world uh, became a lot greater. Amazon's made a ton of money during this time. They've hired thousands of drivers. They've rented thousands of, of vans. Um, and they have picked up where traditional retailers are failing. Um, and not that the retailers are failing from a um, the point of view of selling decent goods, they're failing as a result of customers not walking into their stores. Second, um, our hospitality industry is, uh, has, uh, is somewhat on its ear as well. Um, conferences, I, I've talked about IEDC's conferences aren't being held. I mean, we have a huge hotel, uh, <coughs> the Gaylord uh, in Maryland, it's completely closed. And I, I don't know how many, does it have a thousand rooms? Does it have 800 rooms? But you can imagine how many employees they would have had. Restaurants are suffering all around the country. Minority businesses have gone out, out of business at the highest level of, of uh, small businesses. We, uh, um, you know, there's a lot of bad news by what we've had to deal with during this pandemic. Th that bad news means there's a lot of work and maybe opportunities for economic development organizations to step up their games. And so, uh, and, and once the economy starts to recover, you know, some of the economy will recover on its own, but some of it won't. You know, how many empty re restaurant uh, storefronts will we have? How many empty retailers will uh, storefronts will we have? What can we do to resolve that? Um, and uh, for our US economic developers, uh, they should be looking at um, this new um, $1.9 trillion um, act that uh, President Biden is trying to push through. Um, if it comes through, there's gonna be $3 billion in it for economic development. It will be infrastructure, it could be operations, there could be a number of, of things and economic development agencies need to say, what am I gonna apply, apply for in my community and, and get themselves ready uh, for that bill to come through? Um, you know, economic recovery is going to be job one. Uh, uh, business retention is going to be a part of that, helping to helping businesses find equity and debt. You know, and there's this whole uh, number of businesses that uh, where, you know, people had invested a lot of money and and their livelihoods into businesses. How do we help some of those entrepreneurs get back into business? How do we help them get a second chance of 
getting their business up and running. You know, many uh, entrepreneurs succeed better the second or third time, and maybe that's the case here as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be um, fascinating having to navigate all of these new things. And because obviously right now we're in such a, a odd time, but then also we don't know 100% what the future is going to look like too when we eventually get out of this. So I know I, as I've spoken to different economic developers too, you know, it seems like they're trying to get a handle on what's happening right now, but they're also trying to anticipate what could then be other unforeseen issues that will be arising even as we try to you know get pulled out of the pandemic yeah yeah exactly right so do you are you aware of any um case studies or examples of success stories that you can share with us from over well, the past few months i i think there are a lot of success stories um, as you look around the country however I don't think we're going to have any complete success until the vaccine is fully, fully deployed and we can safely go back into our offices. Uh, we can safely get on planes again. We can go and stay in hotels. We can walk into a restaurant and, and not worry about uh, um, you know, getting sick or getting the virus. Success first and foremost, in my opinion, is built around the vaccine. And then second, uh, you know, then we will focus, uh, we will do a better job of seeing what hasn't been uh, successfully restarted. You know, I plan to spend money in my favorite restaurants very frequently once we uh, uh, get back out. I uh, plan to travel when we get back out. And and that, uh, that amount of money that will jump back into the economy will go a great deal of solving some of the issues. But then there will be companies, firms, individuals who will not have recovered and that's gonna become our focus. That's very true. So kind of going off of that, um, obviously economic development, um, economic developers wear many hats. There are so many different programs and everything that we do. How do you see, how have you seen certain programs that maybe we put um, a lot more emphasis on before, maybe now have started falling and, you know, we're reorganizing um, what, you know, is more important right now. And then as we continue moving forward, like what are programs that you think will be maybe more magnified than they perhaps have been? So two areas. One, how do you reintroduce your central business district to um, the uh, firms and people who work in your central business district? Uh, how do you uh, celebrate that the restaurants are all open, that the bars are open, that the hotels are ready to do business? And how do you get people to start to spend money again and come back downtown and go to the theaters? And I, it doesn't have to be the downtown, it could be a suburban downtown, but we need to get people out and spending money again. And and, uh, and then you'll be able to re-employ waiters and the waiters will be able to go buy a new pair of Levi's and the, the uh, retail stores will start to do better again. And maybe we don't 
order on Amazon as frequently and we actually walk into a store and we buy something in a store and uh, and and that will have the benefit of of providing some retail sales tax to our communities and it will also allow uh, those buildings to pay more property tax because uh, if they're empty, they're all going to be appealing their property tax right now and they're going to want to pay less. Now, that's one. Two, uh, there are going to be um, a number of companies that are wounded badly. And what do we do uh, to help some of those companies recover or some of those entrepreneurs restart? which was what I was talking about a, a minute ago. It seems to me those are the, the, the two of the principal jobs that we will have ahead of us. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with you. Well, and then um, how do you foresee the future of remote work affecting our communities? I know you mentioned you know, the properties, um, but especially for economic developers, I know that's such a huge hot topic right now. Yep. So, you know, I was I was interviewed yesterday by a professor from uh, England, and we were talking about remote workers, and we were talking about downsizing of offices. And the, the thing is, we don't know uh, what we don't know. We don't know what percentage of people will actually want to do remote work. We don't know how many employers will want their employees working remotely. So now if I had to take a guess, my guess is that uh, I will have people who will want to work from home maybe one day a week. They like this whole notion of working from home. Um, as an employer, I wasn't so wild about it, but I, we had no choice. Um, I want people there. I want them working together as a team. I want to see them uh, clustered in, in, their, in a conference room and working on a project together and moving things forward. There are going to be people who are maybe more extroverted, who are going to love being back at work. They like the energy from their um, office mates, they want to go out to lunch with a friend. You know, this is their office family versus their own family. Um, there will be some introverts who are going to say, I don't care if I ever see anybody again. I like being here in my space in front of my laptop. And, you know, I don't need to be in the office to do anything. What, you know, what percentage is that? Is that 15%? Is that 10%? I, um, I think it's unclear to me how uh, how far this remote work thing goes. I think for some employers, they will allow it to go quite a ways. I think other employers are going to say, we want you in the office. And if you're not, uh, it may be time for us to walk in different directions. Absolutely. I mean, I know we ourselves, as we've been talking to clients, um, you know, you, you just, you can go so far down that rabbit hole, right? Of then, well, then if people stay 100% remote, do they have to live in that community? You know, are you going to be picking up residential taxes? Um, can they, can live somewhere else? Other things I know people have brought up are, okay, well, if the companies don't move here, can we get enough remote workers to start quantifying those impacts? 
um, you know, in our community. So, I mean, also we're seeing it multiple ways of just, you can look at it, you're trying to measure it in any way, but you're right. At the end of the day, we don't actually know exactly. how this is going to work out yet. Yeah, absolutely right. Well, and then how do you expect economic developers will need to change their marketing efforts and their, you know, recruitment efforts now with everything being so different? So here is what I'm hearing across the country. And that is, there are deals being done. There are traditional deals being done. There are companies making decisions and uh, investing money in, in, uh, in capital improvements all over the country. I am not sure, at least at this point, has the world changed that much on some of the traditional site selection decisions and, and expansion operations of, of facilities. Um, more to follow, I think. Um, I, you know, it's, it's hard to cite trends just yet. I think we have to get back to work and maybe give it another six to nine months to a year and then compare 19, 20, 21 before we can really see the types of trends that, uh, that, that uh, could be possible. It will be fascinating, absolutely, when that data comes out. Because yes, I think too, we're, what we're living um, is so different too, based on you know what industry you're in, where you're living in the country. Um, so much is so different that it will be fascinating, yeah, seeing that data. Yeah. Well, and then IEDC's leadership conference is coming up um, next month, actually, within a couple of weeks. Um, yeah. And the, the theme is Greater Together, Investing in Communities, People, and Innovation Ecosystems. So can you tell folks what they can expect to take away from the conference? Well, it's uh, March 15th to 16th. Unfortunately, it's virtual. I'm sure everybody would love to be in Phoenix. I, uh, spring training would still be going on, so we could uh, uh, see a baseball game, but uh, uh, that's unfortunately not going to happen this year. Uh, Chris Camacho, who heads up the Greater Phoenix Economic Council, is the head of the host committee. Um, he's invited one of my uh, uh, favorite uh, university presidents from around the country, and that's Michael Crow from Arizona State University, who's really smart, and we'll talk about the university's role in growing in local economy. Uh, we've got uh, uh, some other great speakers. We've uh, uh, Victor uh, Wang, who used to be at uh, uh, the Kauffman Foundation, who will focus on small businesses. We um, um, have a, a vice president of diversity, I forget which diversity and inclusion, I forget which company she's with. Uh, it will be all the things you expect out of a leadership conference. It will be helping us think about the next generation of economic development practice. Great, well, I am very excited for that, that conference though. Um, listeners, if you're there, come visit me in our virtual exhibit hall. <laughs> I'll be there, but yes, it sounds like a great program, Jeff, um, and I'm excited to attend. Yeah. And, and isn't it a shame? Well, you live in San Francisco. You're already in a beautiful place, but uh, uh, Phoenix would be a great place to be too. It would. You know, I was really looking forward to going to Phoenix 
in March, but that's yeah. okay. We'll, we'll just have to do it again sometime, <laughs> another time. Great. Great. Well, um, and then Jeff, my question for you, um, my wrap up question for you, what is the biggest piece of advice that you can share with economic developers at this moment in time when they're dealing with so much change at once and also trying to anticipate what future working conditions will be like? Well, I think the, if I only gave them one piece of advice is wear a mask, keep socially distant and keep healthy. We've lost 500,000 people. We don't need to lose any more. And I don't want it from any of my friends in economic development. So I think uh, we all need to be healthy because our communities are gonna need us to do a lot more work. And that would be my advice. That's wonderful, lovely advice. Uh, well, I'm so happy to hear that you've been healthy, Jeff, um, and your staff as well. And that um, like all of us having to adapt here, we've all been able to adapt, IDC's adapted, um, as well as you know serving the membership. So that's been wonderful. And um, yes, thank you so much for all that you do with the membership. I know um, Impact Data Source, we uh, get so much value out of our membership with you guys, our partnership with you guys um, and the members. And it's just, it's such an incredible industry, the, the whole economic development industry. And so it's, it's so wonderful to be able to be a part of it. Nicole, you're awesome. And I appreciate it very much. Well, thank you so much for all you do, Jeff. And thank you so much for being on the podcast episode today. It's Take always care. lovely chatting with you. Thank you ever so much. Economic Development Secrets is brought to you by Impact Dashboard, the only impact software built for economic developers. For more information on this podcast or to listen to past episodes, check out www.impactdatasource.com.